You're listening to the Curiosity Collective podcast. I'm Arpita and I'm Deepika. So we're in the last stretch of our four-part trash talk series where we have been attempting to understand this massive problem of waste management in Indian cities. And uh, we have been doing this by looking at the perspectives of various individuals who across various cities in their own own ways have been tackling this problem. In the previous episode we actually looked at community level action uh, by a few individuals who've played really pivotal roles in converting their entire apartment uh, societies or complexes to segregation and composting. These were uh, three individuals across two cities Gurgaon and Bangalore and uh, the outcome is really amazing they were able to reduce the garbage footprint of these spaces by 90%. we felt like it was really important to understand the nuts and bolts of this right how do you go about doing something like this and uh, you know we really wanted to understand how do you go from we should compost to actually getting it done at scale and that's why i think our last conversation you know we focused on the process and what those steps were but i think the reason why this episode feels particularly close to me is because it's about the people behind that process and you know their personal stories and their journeys and you know because as you said it takes a lot to make that shift from thinking about something to action and and these are regular people with you know families and jobs and everything and but they've done these really extraordinary things and i think for me it was also curiosity about how did they get to that place But I think before we you know we get into that part of the conversation I just wanted to remind you of who it was that uh, I'd met. Uh my name is Keshav Jaini. I live in Garden Estate Gurgaon. So Garden Estate is also the place where I spent uh, the early part of my life and it's an apartment complex of 373 houses and that's roughly about 1800 people and uh, Keshav uncle is also one of my father's uh, oldest friends. And uh, then in Bangalore I first met Savita Hiremat. Yeah, I'm Savita Hiremat. Uh, I live in uh, Yelhanka, Bangalore, which is northern part of the city. And um, uh, my apartment name is uh, Shobha Althea Azalea. So Savita lives in what was once a suburb of Bangalore in in Yelhanka and it's a community of about 202 homes on an 8-acre plot. Um and you know her home is it really represents everything that she is and that she stands for and you know she's converted her whole community to composting but her home composter still has sort of pride of place and I was taken to it and you know she showed me how she does her composting every day and we took a few photographs there and um and then Savita introduced me to Padma Patel who also lives in Yelhanka and you know both of them are fellow compost enthusiasts My name is Padma Patel I uh, live in a community which houses 1332 flats we are the premium residential apartment complex of yelanka so 1332 households i mean it's massive what she's been able to do but i think when i met padma i understood how she was able to do it cuz she just has so much energy i mean like within 5 minutes of you know reaching her house she was on you know scheduling phone calls and the people coming to meet her to understand how they're doing composting in her community just vibrant and really everybody that i met they're all really warm people who opened up their homes to me and you know i i had a chance to meet some of their family members and i think also meeting them helped me understand how central a role they play in all the decisions that these individuals have made and why they do what they do how do you mean uh, because uh, these are 
fundamentally community processes. So how is the family involved? Yeah, but you know how the root of everything is, it comes from usually a place of caring about something or, or you know, when you want to love or cherish or look after something, that's what really drives you, right? And I think families inhabit a huge space in that process. And I think when Padma was explaining also to me why she chose to be a green volunteer when they started segregating and composting in her society, you know, she, she spoke to how important um, her family was in that decision. And by the time I had purchased my home here and then we had moved in, uh, there was this call for green volunteers uh, who could take this project forward. I said, OK, let me let me see what I can do. That's the humble beginning that I did. I said, OK, let me give it a try. After all, what is happening to this land is going to come back to our kids tomorrow. We may live today another 20 years, 30 years you know, healthy life because we have good air, good soil to grow our uh, food in. But then over a period, would this not affect our children is the single thought I had. Yeah, there's a sense of responsibility towards the next generation. That's something that um, Keshav Uncle also spoke to. And I think it's one of the reasons that he also began to volunteer. And, you know, he said when he had um, his twin daughters that he began to do um, garbage pickups in Garden Estate in Gurgaon and that then shifted to wanting to continue with that experience and reach out to more young people in the place that he lives. Oh, it's very simple, youngsters. They are my motivation. Seeing my kids, other kids, it works beautifully. Whenever I do a workshop, there'll be some 16, 18, 19, 21-year-old boy or girl who will say, Keshav, uncle, sir, thank you so much for this talk. I am going to go home and work in my community and bring change. Or I'll come, go to my school and start something. And those are the ones I really sort of push and encourage and helped out. So I, I have at least a dozen youngsters who over a time come to me and they are starting to do things in their communities. But Savita's process was slightly different, right? Yeah, you know, I remember in our last conversation, you know, she when I was telling you this, that she was super resistant to the idea of composting because she was a working mom, you know, she had a young daughter and, you know, it just meant more work. But when she actually started that process, a lot of the philosophy and thinking behind it is something that she gen- that she then brought to bringing up her daughter, you know. And, and when, I, when I say that, I mean just the principles behind it and so much so that Gautami, who's now 11 and, you know, who's her daughter, she has a really strong connection to the natural world because her mother has, you know, sort of imbibed that in her. When she was two year old, we we were, uh, she was using diapers, right? And I had put a corner for her to go put her diaper herself in that corner. She would go neatly put that particular thing in that uh, bin herself. So that's her first lesson of uh, segregation when she was two. You know, it began back then. And then um, a lot of discussion used to go on, no? Um, you know, but when we came here, she was a three and a half year old. And um, uh, right since then, you know, she participated in all the activities that we uh, carried out in the community and all that. And as we moved on and she has conducted many demos and, you know, sort of uh, um, one minute or two minute talks on waste segregation. Now that's a really adorable image, huh? To think of a two-year-old tottering about, <laughs> you know, trying to segregate her diapers into the right bin. It's just so adorable. I love that visual as well. And, you know, but I think also just being able to bring a child's attention to something in that everyday way where it's not rocket science. And, 
You know, Savita was saying that if there's any conversation now on waste management in her vicinity, Gautami will shush her mother and, you know, take over that conversation because she just has so much knowledge and it's so much a part of her everyday experience that that she leads that journey then. And, you know, and Savita was talking also about just how important it is for children to have that connection um, and what it means and what it does for them, really. You know, that's very important. Uh, involving children children in these activities and making making them understand that, you know, all these little creatures, at least earthworm is a very big one compared to all these other little maggots and small, you know, flying insects that we see in the composting bin. You know, when you tell them that, look, you know, the, all these things are very much, very much, you know, necessary. And in fact, without them, we can't even survive. Composting doesn't happen. If composting doesn't happen, what will happen in the world? You know, all they will be full of dead bodies. They have to think back and think, okay, what if there was nothing called composting on this planet? There wouldn't, be, wouldn't have been life. So to understand that decay is as important as growth in life, you know, because these two are the two faces of the same coin called life. There has to be decay. There has to be growth. Okay. So for this decay, all these little creatures are invisible and invisible, you know, tangible and intangible ones. You know, all these are important. That's when we sort of begin to respect the interconnectivity of life. This is one thing I've realized. So as you well know, one of my favorite authors is Rachel Carson. <laughs> Drum rolls. <laughs> and uh, Rachel Carson is more famous for writing The Silent Spring, which actually sparked the environmentalist movement. Uh, but she also has this beautiful gem of an essay called A Sense of Wonder. And it's basically about all the things that Rachel Carson must do, you know, pottering about forests and beaches and whatnot. And uh, she ta- this this essay is about taking her little baby nephew along, mm-hmm. um, uh, Roger. you know, <laughs> yeah, Roger along in all of these journeys. And uh, basically, she is speaking uh, to the idea of how important it is for little children to feel more than really know yeah. uh, at that age. And her argument being that once those emotions have been aroused, you know, those emotions of love, of awe, beauty, wonder, then the child will automatically want to know more. Uh, she puts this really well. She says it is more important to pave the way for the child to want to know than to put him on a diet of facts that he is not ready to assimilate. And uh, this is the way in which Savita has uh, actually raised her child. She's speaking to this really, really beautifully. Uh, The fact that you can accommodate this uh, into the daily task of living in the small actions and experiences which evoke this deep uh, deep sense of curiosity and wonder in the child. And, you know, I mean, composting is kind of magical and transformational, right? Uh, and, and I suppose it stays with you all your life and begins to kind of subliminally sort of guide your future choices. Yeah, I love that essay too. And, you know, it's, it's like you said, that recognition of connectivity, it, it changes something inside. And I think Savita also speaks to that when she says, you know, it reorganizes also how children behave and engage with the world when you have that really close connection to nature. You know, I think now we're seeing a huge emergence in the amount of research that supports this view. And, you know, early interaction with nature has so many benefits to children. I mean, when you're talking about how it supports a child's imaginative play or developing positive relationships and allowing also for the environment to become that place of learning, you know. So learning isn't then something siloed off that happens in a classroom. It's very much a part of what you're experiencing day on day. And 
I mean, it's great for adults. I may know what it does for me when I'm outdoors, but and, and yeah, and I think there's a bunch of research about this that we'll put on our website. But I think just continuing from what Savita shared on, you know, how composting is such a fundamental part of life. And, you know, she started with her own composters. And now that shift to community composting is also, it's become that window that's opened multiple doors as well. You mean that they began with segregation and composting and then took multiple steps from there, right? I mean, I can totally relate to that because it's been pretty much my journey too. I mean, I mirror that in so many ways. Um, it's it's like, it seems like such a small way to reconnect to Earth's cycle. But it's, it. I mean, I think I would also say that it's really a profound one at so many levels. Like Poonam uh, Beer Kasturi of Daily Dump said in our, uh, one of our uh, earlier episodes, composting is beginning like you get a composter then you have some compost and then you have to do something with that compost right so like she said you go say hello to a tree (laughs) and in my case I planted a garden and so on right so it's like a treasure trail that just keeps giving yeah absolutely and I mean I started composting in Mumbai and I don't have a garden but you know for me it means now going to figure out you know a mali and and a lawn that I can give it to or a garden I can give it to and I think this idea of segregation and composting being that door that opens up those new meanings of of looking at the world. It, it's it's a sentiment that was echoed by you know everybody else I spoke to. And Patna, for instance, was talking about how it's changed her family. See, it all started that particular point when we started the segregation at source. Didn't really got us thinking that why are we producing so much waste? Can I do without it? So today. I am a zero-waste household, not completely zero-waste. I can't avoid a certain amount of plastics in my life. But definitely, uh, I am journeying towards that. And we people have become so sensitive. The journey has been so good that we question everything. That what we think as convenience, if it is harming somebody else, that I better not go for that convenience. So my kids today are more sensitive towards you know, such things. My family as a whole uh, are more progressive in our thinking, are more modern in our thinking, not in the sense that we are dressing up well, but we are sensing our environment more suitably. And we feel the gifts of nature, you know. So the journey has been amazing. Today we have reached a point where we feel happy. We smile for no reason. We greet everybody with great love. Even a a tiny insect makes us happy. A tiny butterfly can give us so much joy that I have not hurt it. We have tried our best to do the best that we can. So it's a source of happiness is what I'm saying. The overall compassion that we develop because of associating with waste is unlimited. You know, and then she continued talking about how this feeling of accomplishment and achievement has now extended also to other members of her community. Our journey, which started with a um, waste, being looked upon as a problem, is actually today a boon because it makes us smile. We are not doing anything that is harmful. We have done our part. And today the whole of Purva Venezia feels proud of this particular aspect that we are, as a community, do not pollute our surroundings. People who leave Purva Venezia to some other destination, they call me up and say, 
But there is no segregation here. How would I do? I have already put three bins outside. They are calling me crazy here. <laughs> they mix everything and you know take it. I feel so bad, but I really wanna quit this place because it harms their you know emotion. That you people are unable to do such a small thing in your city. Please do it. You know that's the cry from within. I am not saying that. Uh, the transformation will happen, but the cry from within is, it's such a simple thing, why don't you do it? That's a really powerful outcome for the individuals, the family and the community. Yeah, I mean, Keshu Uncle added, you know, by saying that it's not just the act of segregation that, you know, helps you develop that sense of interconnection, but it then informs everything else that you do in these very practical ways, because you start reassessing all your choices and decision-making accordingly, and you know, all those problems that otherwise seem overwhelming or that you complain about, now you have to engage with them. Earlier on, what we spent on was limited to food and clothing and a few other things. Now our consumption pattern has changed a lot. Now we're consuming things which are much more harmful to the planet in terms of plastic that we use, synthetic materials that we use. Those don't have a solution. So actually, there are two kinds of waste that we grow have. One is organic, which is natural, let's say, which can go back to the earth. The other is man-made uh, synthetic uh, stuff, which is all your plastic and your metal and your glass that we do. Some of this can be recycled, but a lot of it has no use and it's dirty, smelly. It goes to a landfill. Simply speaking, plastic, only 9% of plastic is actually recycled in the world. These are UN statistics available. So 91% of all plastic made in the world over the years is still around on the planet. Mm -hmm. And where is it? It's in your landfill. It's in your water. It's in your air. It's in your rivers. And finally, in the oceans. Mm -hmm. And when nature gets angry with us, it spills it back on the beaches for us to see. So this example obviously totally reminds me of what people like Afroz and his cleanup group have to contend with on the beach, right? Yeah. Uh, and we spoke to this on the first episode of Trash Talk. Uh, and I remember you telling me just how many people in that beach cleanup came across little mundane, boring things, uh, which are, you know, on the right off the shelves of their house, right? Like packets of milk with those snipped ends and, and detergent packets and whatnot. And... Each time you saw it on a beach quite like that, it made you think about what you were buying. No, oh, absolutely. And, you know, it feels like we're going full circle also with that now. Um, because India generates some 26,000 metric tons of plastic every single day. And, you know, I read somewhere that that's equivalent to the weight of 9,000 elephants, you know. And, wow. and that's not coming out of nowhere. It's it's generated, like you said, from our everyday use. And, and Kesho Uncle was, you know, explaining this. Now, because the quantities have gone and the kind of garbage has changed, now that's become a big question. What happens to your waste? What happens when you buy a product and you stop using it? So now, one of the things I say in my talks is that you must understand that everything you buy has a lifetime that you will use it. But after that, where does it go? If you buy electronic goods, when you stop using it, it's a disaster electronic goods. Because they all go to the slums where these guys use acids and fire to reclaim whatever metal is in that. It's so hazardous for the air, for the person, people who are working there. 
There is just so much wisdom and insight to how each of them is speaking to and has thought of this process of segregation and composting. There are just so many layers to it, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gone from finding out how it can actually lead to better lives for our children. Um, you know, how there's greater awareness of interconnectivity, deeper compassion and love for life, and even this deep awareness of your own footprint on the planet that can make us actually reassess and reconsider what we're actually how we're actually living and what we're buying yeah and i think it's this particular route that i wanted to point to that there's that personal connection you know that flows into personal action and then through that personal action there's a greater sense of you know where you fit into the larger scheme of things that you're one amongst many species and you know you're a part of that larger environment and not not top dog and i think savita explains that really well solid waste management is completely volunteer driven uh, activism it is that activism at the individual level you know usually what happens is they start at the home level uh, and then they come to the community level and then they move on to the city level you know at least in their area they try to make things better so this is completely and they get involved with the local politicians and all those people and we you know we work to make it better for instance in my case i got involved with bbmp officials here and we conducted a lot of public meetings uh, and we would set up uh, you know some kind of expos of all kinds of um, compost available composting methods i wanted people to come and see what is available in fact i mean the very conversation started with activism it's completely activism driven uh, you know cause this waste management so it is still going on in the same manner some you know some people have remained committed to this uh, you know activism for a very long time now and they've been able to bring about a great deal of change in the city at least in the way it thinks this is organic move towards action um and it's action that's urgently required and i really liked how keshav uncle explains it we think it's somebody else's problem so if we just understand the fact that this problem is created by us and only then we'll move in the right direction so we can talk big we can see reports we can see it happening but we've got used to a situation like wolf wolf that you know that everybody shouting wolf wolf but nobody really believes that we are running into this problem but we are there is no solution unless we start acting i'd simply say start start with anything start with just getting your kitchen waste segregated and start with five houses or one house do it on your own learn experience it tell your friends just send me your garbage just send me your kitchen waste i'll do the composting stage by stage people will see that this is possible it's not so difficult so you've got to lead by example by actually doing it problem is everybody says no you know it smells so i i don't think i'll do it or somebody says you know i've tried to talk to my president i've talked to my ec it doesn't work you know they're not interested so i turn around and tell them but listen when you had to ride a cycle did you do it the first time you didn't you fell off a few times and somebody told you that you got to hold the handle look ahead pedal balance could you do it straight away you couldn't so this is also a process that you have to learn by making mistakes and then perfecting it and getting in place having said that there are enough people who will hold your hand and help you just like with a cycle there was your dad or your mom who helped you and you got to cycling 
That cycle analogy, I think, is really spot on because, um, I mean, if you consider any little task that you begin with, there's a curve of learning involved. Um, and I think like each of the people in this four-part series has said, uh, you have to make a beginning. You just have to start. And, and that begins to ignite your curiosity. And then I think the path just opens. Yeah, and the off chance that it doesn't. I mean, there's so many people already doing things that are, you know, who are out in the world. And it's a question of then joining those endeavors and being part of that story. And, and Savita was saying how she's just one of many people who's doing what she's doing. My only faith is in the human spirit. Uh, people who think that, you know, they have to leave behind this planet better than what they what it was when they came in. Okay. And actually, it always goes, it sort of goes back to the traditional wisdom that you know we have just borrowed this space for a certain amount of time okay that's all it doesn't belong to us we belong to this planet so whatever little we can do we should be doing and i must say that this sort of activism is not only going on in bangalore but it has spread all over india and i'm in on a daily basis i'm in touch with people from eight to ten states you know uh, they somebody who is starting some activity in their area in delhi gurgaon you know um, even Himachal Pradesh, Assam, everywhere, people are talking about composting. And this is a good thing that is going on. And it is these little success stories that give us hope, you know, that someday it gets mainstreamed. Because there is, and trust me, I mean, we have studied all kinds of technologies, composting, new technologies, burning this and that, everything we have studied. But still, the very, very basic traditional way of doing things is the best. And that is the only sustainable, cost-effective way. It can be done. You know, the numbers might not have hit that critical mass yet, but I think the number of people who are slowly reflecting on their lives and wanting to get involved and contending with their choices has gone up. And I think I, I loved in particular how, how Padma was describing her own personal dilemmas in terms of, you know, whether to choose that that job and go out and earn money and have that second income or to actually undertake um, unpaid community work. And, you know, how do you weigh those two against each other? In fact, I would have gone for work, I would have had a corporate life, but then I thought, what will I, how much money will I earn? Say 50 lakhs I make, keep it in my bank account for my son to enjoy over a period of his uh, lifetime. But then I thought, what is the use of that bunch of paper if he doesn't have good earth to grow his veggies on, have a good life, have a good, you know, healthy life, air that is already polluted, so let me do my part. Maybe it is worth 50 lakhs, more than a crore. Who knows? You know, Apita, right from Afros to Poonam, you know, Keshav Uncle, Sabita, Padma, like everybody that I've spoken to, I think what the key takeaway has been um, was what they said about irrespective of the odds, there's so much joy in doing. And, you know, like I said in the beginning, the story is sometimes in the things that you don't see as easily. It's the personal journeys that allow for action to, you know, to take place. And um, and without those personal journeys, you can't have process and the two work in tandem with each other. And so it was also really understanding how those small steps and the act of doing then opens up things inside you and in the external world. And, you know, and they've all displayed that, in, you know, with the fact that they've been able to achieve so much in their communities. And I think also it helps us just also understand our own footprint and what we're doing on the planet in that sense. And, you know, then finding other people who are doing similar work and finding strength in like-minded communities and, you know, engaging in those conversations. 
there's there's something I think there's an unnameable magic about it. I, I don't know. I would say even a healing and accepting those challenges and you know at whatever the cost. And I think it's summarized really well by what Savita says. All we are asking is you know make sure that uh, you don't leave behind such a huge footprint that you know nobody can help you uh, solve that. So it can be easily done carrying your own water bottle, carrying your own uh, container to a, a hotel when we as often as possible. But uh, when it comes to carrying your own steel water bottle and your own uh, cloth bag, there should be no excuse because this can be easily done. And uh, imagine you know the number of plastic bags that get sort of deducted when you carry your own cloth bag. Something simple as that. That we can all do. Keep some in the car, some in your bag, you know, some in your whatever bike, whatever transport you're taking. All these things can easily be done. I get to see many people bringing cloth bags and many shops because of all the laws or whatever, because many protests happened in all over Bangalore. Now some uh, stores have switched to genuine cloth bags and all. Change is happening. But the pace at which destruction is happening, uh, the pace of change is very, very slow. So we need to somehow make sure that both of them at least you know, the, the move at the same pace and slowly the de- destruction levels come down. Whatever little you can, it is, it is very much doable. If a little girl can do it, anybody can do it. That was the last episode of our Trash Talk series. For a comprehensive list of things you can start doing today, places to volunteer and details on composting, visit our website www.thecuriositycollective.org. Next time, we're talking to architect Chitra Vishwanath of Biome Environmental Solutions on how to reimagine cities and what it means to think of the city as an ecosystem. This episode has been made with the support of Srinidhi Raghavan and produced by the Bangalore Recording Company.